Amen. Come on, let's give God a praise this morning. He is good. Well, we're going to do something a little different this morning. I'm going to go directly into my message. we got ten verses, and just as a sign of honor to our Father, I'm going to ask you guys just to stay standing for a second as we dive into these ten verses as we kick off our Stretch Marks series. I'm so, so excited for this series. I I said this morning that I'm so excited to be preaching Acts chapter 3 today. I'm like Aaron Bennett in the skinny jeans section. Um, I, 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 I'm like Dan and Megan on Whole Foods Day. Like, I'm excited, all right? I'm ready to dive into this. So I am so grateful that you joined us this morning. Um, chapter 3 of the book of Acts, we're going to dive right into it. There's so much, so much here. It says, one day Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going in to the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Quick life principle for you here. If you will give God your attention, he will always exceed your expectation. They gave their attention, and God exceeded their expectation. If God is not exceeding the expectations in your life right now, I wonder how much attention you're giving him. Because when we give him our undivided attention, when we focus on him, he always exceeds our expectation. Verse 6, then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I, I have I give you. You spent all week worried about what you lack. You spent all week worried about the things that you don't have. But Peter says, I'm not going to worry about what I don't have. I don't have the money. I don't have the silver or gold. But let's focus on what we do have. Let's focus on what we've got. So he brings the attention to what he has. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, one word. Walk. Walk. Get moving. Get up. Verse 7, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God, shouting, screaming, hollering, causing a ruckus, making a scene because what God had done in his life. Verse 9, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit. Don't get too used to the way I am right now. Don't get too accustomed to the man you see in front of you because I'm changing. I'm not going to be the same Troy in 2016 that I am in 2015. God's taking me from glory to glory. Sometimes we get so used to the way somebody is and they were accustomed to this man sitting outside the gate and then something happened. God got a hold of him. God elevated his status and things changed. Don't you believe that God's got some change in store for you? Don't you believe that God's got a better place that he wants to take you in the next year than where you're at right now? I believe that for you. Verse 10, it says, They recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. He looked the same, but he wasn't the same. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. What had happened was he got moving. He got up. What had happened was he met Jesus at the temple gate called Beautiful. It's an amazing, incredible story. I'm going to give you the title for part one of our 
series called Stretch Marks, and I'm not just going to give it to you. I'm going to ask you to help me preach it. So I'm going to give you the title of this message, and I want you to turn to six people and give them a high five and make this declaration. It's, it's a very simple statement. You can remember it, I promise. You're going to help me preach this. The title of our message today is I'm Up For It. Find six people, give them a high five, and tell them you're up for it. I'm up for it. I'm up for it. I don't know what's in store for me this week. I don't know what God has, but I'm up for it, whatever it is. Once you've found your six people, now you can be down for it. Now you can grab a seat. Isn't, isn't it funny that I'm up for it and I'm down for it mean the same thing? English is a funny language sometimes, isn't it? I'm up for it. There's a, a couple different perspectives that we can look at as we approach this story in Acts chapter 2. First, we can start with the pair. We can start with, with Peter and John. They were up. Or we can start with the beggar. The beggar was down. And what's interesting about that is on any given day, in any given week, we'll be both parts of this story, won't we? Sometimes I'm up, and man, God is calling me to stretch my hand forward and make an impact in somebody's life. Sometimes I'm the one who's got an opportunity to make a difference for somebody, and I'm up. But there's other times when I'm the one who's down, and I need somebody to come and stretch their hand in me. I need somebody to love me enough to meet me right where I'm at and to pick me up. And I believe that, that in this story, you're going to see yourself in, in both roles in different times and in different situations. So I don't know if you came to church today up or you came to church today down, but I believe that we're going to leave here up. I believe that God's going to encourage you today. I believe that God's got something for you today. Let's say it one more time. Say, I'm up for it. I'm up for it. It's going to be a good time in God's word this morning. So summer is in full swing. We are, we are smack in the middle of summer. Um, in fact, one of the things we're going to be doing with the $8,000 we're raising is we're going to get some more AC in here because I see some of you fanning yourselves. I apologize. I probably sweat just as bad as anybody in this room, me and Jimmy. So uh, we feel you. Uh, can I say that? We're going we're to get this thing fixed. I promise. I apologize. We're working on that. But summer's in full swing, and some of you uh, take good care of yourselves. Some of you have like a summer workout plan. You're, you're working to make sure you got your obliques. I don't even know what an oblique is, but some of you are getting your obliques leaks together. Uh, some of you ready for that beach body. Uh, some of you've already been to the beach to show off your beach body. Well, I can't take the next six weeks in this series and help you get those washboard abs. I don't have that capability. But what I want to do, what I aim to do, what I believe God is going to do is we're going to take the next six weeks as we study stretch marks and we're going to get a spiritual six pack. Amen. Now, we're going to get some spiritual fitness in the house of God. I believe God is going to stretch his people. He's going to push his people. He's going to get us in shape because God's got something he wants us to accomplish for his glory. Are you up for it? Six Amen. Six weeks of stretch marks. This passage is a great, great picture. I want to start off with just a little bit of teaching, give you just a little bit of context, because the book of Acts, like the rest of the Bible, is most effective, it's most impactful when we understand the greater context of what is going on. So here we see in the book of Acts, we see the spread of the gospel from just a handful of people. There were, at the most, there were 120 followers of Jesus waiting in an upper room for the Holy Spirit to descend on the day of Pentecost. And from that 120 people, that small group of people, we're going to see through the book of Acts, we're going to see the gospel spread from Jerusalem, where it started, all the way to Rome, all the way to the capital of the empire, the most influential, the most important city in the world at this point in time. 
The gospel is going to go from Jerusalem to Rome. But in order for the gospel to spread, the disciples, those 120 followers of Jesus, had to take a stretch. They had to stretch themselves. Two things are happening simultaneously in your life at any given time. If you're a Christian today, there's two things going on in your life at any point in time. Number one, God is building his kingdom. God is expanding his kingdom. God is a God of expansion. In fact, God designed the universe in such a way that the universe is constantly expanding. Why? Because God is a God of growth. Because God's a God of expansion. His kingdom is constantly enlarging and is constantly getting bigger. He's all about expansion. Now, if God is all about expansion and we are his followers, guess what that means? It means we need to be about expansion too. Means if we are going to be the church, we need to always be thinking about the people we haven't reached yet, not just about us. If all we're worried about is ourselves, this is a club and not a church. We've got to constantly have our eyes out to the community that is dying, that is hurting, that is missing God, that may be dying and going to hell. We've got to constantly be looking at that. Why? Because God's a God of expansion. I don't believe that God is content with the size that City Church is today. And not just City Church. I think you can say that about any church in this county, whether they're five people or 5,000 people. God is not content at that point because God's kingdom needs to continue to grow. So God, at any point in your life, God is building his kingdom. But in order for his purpose to spread, his people must stretch. And so simultaneously with his kingdom being built, God is building you. He is stretching you. He is calling you to a deeper place. He is calling you to a higher place. He is calling you to a stronger place. He is calling you to open your eyes to the things that he is doing. At any point in time, God is building his kingdom and stretching his people, in fact, really very few things that God's ever done in the history of mankind did he do without stretching an individual. If you were to go back into your spiritual family tree, if you were to go back and look at the person who told you about Jesus and the person who told them about Jesus and, and the way that they were reached and the miss, missionary who was sent to them and the church that sent the missionary and the person who built the church, if you were to go back, you would see time and time again in your spiritual family tree some stretch marks. You would see some men and women who were not perfect, some men and women who had some junk, who had some flaws, but they were willing to be stretched by God to be used. There's stretch marks all over your spiritual family tree if you're a Christian today. Stretch marks all over my spiritual family tree. Anything that's ever been accomplished here at City Church was done because somebody stretched. A child received Jesus in Kid City because somebody stretched themselves and said, you know what, I'll teach in a classroom. A person entered in and experienced the presence of God in a way they'd never felt him before in worship because somebody stretched themselves and said, you know what, I don't think I'm the best singer, but, but we need one, and I'm going to get up there, and I'm going to allow God to use me. Everything that God's ever done in this church was because somebody stretched. The fact that we even have a building to meet in is because somebody stretched themselves financially, because somebody stretched their budget to believe that God could use them, to believe that God would honor his word. Everything God does in the life of people, he does through an individual who's willing to stretch. 
So we got to be ready to stretch this morning, City Church. God wants to stretch us. Growing is a stretch. Ministry is a stretch. Being used by God is a stretch. And I'll just be honest, man. We, we've recently started getting into the gym. We've been going to the DAC, and, and I've been getting in there. And, and one thing that my wife is really, really good about is she's like, make sure before you do anything that you stretch. I tore my ACL a few years ago, and that was a very expensive mistake. Can I tell you that? Expensive in a lot of ways. It was a very painful mistake. But she's like, don't you dare get in that racquetball court. Don't you dare get on that treadmill. Don't you dare do anything before you stretch. And I'll just be real. I hate stretching. I would much rather play racquetball than stretch. I would much rather do something athletic than stretch. Stretching to me feels like a waste of time. It's uncomfortable. It's not fun. But in order to accomplish the things in the gym that I want to accomplish, I first have to stretch. And if you're going to accomplish the things for the kingdom of God that God's placed in your heart. I believe God's put some desires in your heart. I believe that God's put something in you. He's put a plan, a dream. If he hasn't yet, if you haven't tapped into that yet, I believe he's going to put that dream in your heart. But in order to accomplish that thing, it's going to require us to stretch. Being used by God is very rarely comfortable. Especially at first. Now it can become comfortable as you get used to it. I'm sure the people that stand up here on the stage and lead worship, they're probably a lot more comfortable with it today than they were the first time they got up here. But you know what? There's also some danger in getting comfortable. Because once we get to a place where we are comfortable with what we're doing, I believe God's calling us to the next level. I don't believe that God ever allows us to just settle in and say, I've got it. I've got it figured out. It's time for me to be comfortable. So the book of Acts shows us how the people who carried the gospel into new places had to stretch. How their faith was stretched. Have you ever heard somebody say, I would have loved to have followed Jesus when he was on earth. Maybe you felt that yourself. I've said those things. But deep down inside, when you really get into it, I don't know that we would have. Because Jesus was always stretching his disciples. He was always pushing them out of his comfort zone. 20,000 people show up to his service and Jesus says, give them something to eat. What? Well, Jesus, if you would have given us a warning, if you'd have given us ample time to prepare, maybe we could have had a caterer here. If you would have given us a heads up, we could have had a game plan. But Jesus puts them on the spot, says, give them something to eat. Why? Because he was intentionally making them uncomfortable because he knew if they were going to fulfill the plan he had for them three years from now when he was gone, they were going to have to learn to stretch their faith could have absolutely warned them four months in ahead of time hey we're gonna have a meeting 20,000 people are gonna show up I want you guys to get a game plan together so we can feed everybody Jesus knew it was gonna happen he didn't do that because he wanted to have them stretch and so if you are a follower of Jesus and today if you are a follower of Jesus I'm just gonna give you a heads up be prepared to stretch Be prepared for God to put you on the spot be prepared for him to put you in a situation that you don't feel like you're prepared for Because he wants you to stretch. He wants to stretch your faith. He wants to stretch your imagination. He wants to stretch your belief system. In my own life, my own life, the the heaviest times, the heaviest challenges, the heaviest situations that I've faced are often the times that I discover my deepest source. I discover my deepest strength when I bear the heaviest load. It's those times when I come up against something that I don't feel like, how can I do this? God, I don't have the strength to get through. That's when I discover how deep my source is. And what I believe this morning is that your source is much deeper than you realize. I'm going to say that again. Your source is much deeper than you realize. The Holy Spirit inside of you is capable of so much more than you've walked in and than I've walked in. And sometimes our load has to get a little heavier for us to discover the depth of the strength that God has already given us. 
So he has to stretch us. That's what's happening here in Acts chapter 3. Jesus had left them in the physical form, but he sent the Holy Spirit to live in them. In fact, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, he gives us the, the thesis statement of the book of Acts. This verse actually works as an outline of the entire book. He says, but you will receive power. Everybody say power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What's he saying? He's saying that my kingdom is going to grow. But before my kingdom grows, my people are going to stretch. I'm going to put the Holy Spirit in you. I'm going to stretch your ability. I'm going to stretch your anointing. I'm going to stretch your faith. I'm going to stretch the depth of your source. This is the pattern of the entire New Testament. But the Bible does something very interesting in the book of Acts. Instead of simply describing for us how the, the gospel spread, it doesn't just say, well, the Bible, the, the this word of God went from Jerusalem, and then it went out to Judea, and then it went to Samaria, and then it went to the ends of the earth, it went to Rome, it went to Spain, it went to England. It doesn't really outline for us. Instead, it, it, descri- it gets in and shows us a demonstration of what happens. Here's what happened when Paul showed up here. Here's what happened when Peter and John showed up at the temple gate called Beautiful. This is how it happened. You see, a demonstration is always more powerful than a description. In other words, dads, it's Father's Day. Quick Father's Day pro tip for you. Your kids are going to do what you do a whole lot more than they do what you say. The demonstration, right? God declared that he loved us, and then he demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The demonstration trumped the declaration. The declaration was nice, but a declaration without a demonstration is empty. If all we're doing is declaring our love for a community, if all we're doing is declaring our love for the the lost, but there's no demonstration behind it, we're really reliant to ourselves. We can say we love. Proof's in the pudding. The Bible says the faith without works is dead. So somebody shows up and says they're hungry, and you say, man, I'm going to pray for you and believe God that you get a meal. You didn't really do anything for him. Put your money where your mouth is. He's asking us to back up our faith. We've got to demonstrate it, and that's what God does for us here in the book of Acts. So Peter and John have put into practice the power that they claim to have received in God's presence. They're getting ready to walk it out. Like you do when you go to work, you have to practice what you profess. They're going to church, and they come across this dude. They step across him. I wonder how many people had stepped over the beggar on their way to church that day or over the last few years. If we get into the story, it looks like he's been here for a long time. It says that, that he was infirm from the womb So for 40 years, the Bible tells us, this man had been a beggar. We don't know if he was at the temple gate called Beautiful that entire time, but probably for a long time. How many people had stepped over him? You know, the greatest opportunity for a miracle in your life just might be something you're stepping over right now. Might be the greatest opportunity for a miracle in your life might be something you're ignoring on your way to something that you think is more important. And Peter and John almost made the same mistake. They're on their way to the temple, but something grabbed them. Something caused their attention as this man cried out. And they said, look, I don't have what you're looking for. I cannot meet your expectation, but I serve a God who can exceed your expectation. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. There is power. God shows up in a mighty way. So I want to give you four angles on this story 
to launch this series. Four different angles, four different things that we can look at in this story. And as I got into this, I realized that there's no way on Father's Day, you got to get out, you got lunch, you got stuff going on. There is no way I can give you all four of these angles in the amount of time that I have. So I'm just going to give you one today, and then I'm going to give you the other three can't count. The other three next week. Uh, So that's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you one angle on this story today. Then we're going to pick up where we left off next week with three angles because I think this is a powerful, powerful message for you. So before we get to our first perspective, I need Leonard and Dan to join me up here. You guys give it up for, for Leonard Cochran and Dan Harris this morning. Leonard and Dan are going to be helping me out today. Um, I invited Leonard and Dan down here to, to kind of represent some things, but before I tell you what they're doing, I'm going to tell you just a little bit about them. Uh, Leonard here is, is opinionated, if you've met Leonard. Uh, Leonard. Leonard will tell you what he thinks. Uh, say what? That's my opinion. That's right. Thank you. Uh, exactly. Uh, th- there's nothing fake about Leonard. There's nothing sometimes subtle about him. Uh, he's he's going to be very direct. He's going to tell you uh, what he thinks. And so Leonard is going to represent Peter for us. Leonard is bold. His leadership is, is strong. Peter is bold and direct and in your face. And, and, man, God uses Peter in a mighty way, just like God uses Leonard in an incredible way. If you don't know Leonard, you need to get to know him. So then we have Dan. And Dan is also awesome. But awesome in a different way. Uh, Dan is, yes, uh, if you ever need a hug, Dan's a good person to have in your life. Thank you, Dan. Uh, Dan, yeah, thank you. Thank you. So, so Dan's very sweet. Dan's very encouraging. If you're having a bad day, Dan's a great person to have just kind of speaking into your life. So, so Dan's going to represent John because Peter was very bold and in your face. John, uh, in the upper room, when, when they were taking... Uh, the, the Lord's Supper for the first time, Jesus says, hey, you, you guys are going to bail on me. You're all going to flake out. I'm going to be on my way to die, and you guys are all going to disappear. And everybody else is arguing, trying to stand up. Peter's declaring, there is no way I will ever betray you. I will never deny you. You know what John does? John just leans his head over on Jesus' shoulder. John was much more laid back. So, so they had a, a difference in their perspective. Thank you, Dan. That was very, that was a moment. Um, so... <laughs> Little, little bromance going on on stage here. Uh, so uh, Leonard and Dan, the reason why I chose these two, because I was trying to think, I said, who could represent Peter and, and who could represent John? And, and Peter and John are this dynamic duo. I mean, they, they were used by God time and time again in an incredible way in the New Testament. And I think Leonard and Dan are, are a city church dynamic duo because even though they are so different, they have teamed up uh, to, to handle this city group. Man, they put together a city group this semester uh, where Leonard was, was leading on evangelism, on how to share your faith. And Dan and Megan opened up their home and hosted. And I, cannot, I can tell you story after story of the, the seven or eight couples that are a part of this group that have had just amazing testimonies of what God's done in their life. Like all you hear about, if you talk to them, is their city group. Nobody cares about their church. Nobody cares about Jesus. They just care about the city group. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm exaggerating. But, man, this city group has been so monumental in their life. They've walked with each other through death. They've walked with each other through financial challenges. They've walked with each other. They have done life together. And these two men have spearheaded and led this in totally different ways, totally different giftings, totally different perspectives. Uh, Leonard's from Michigan. Dan's from California slash Taiwan. Like, they have extremely different backgrounds 
And yet God has used them and brought them together in an incredible way. And, and I believe it's very similar to what he did with Peter and John. So that's a little little plug for city groups. In fact, Dan's actually leading this city group over the summer. This city group, they love each other so much, they said, we're not stopping. And you can't stop us. Uh, they said, if, if we can't have city group, then we're just going to get together and hang out every Thursday night. But we love each other too much to stop. So they've been running. They never stopped. They're still going. So if you're looking for a group, a way to connect, um, I highly recommend Thursday nights, 630 at Dan and Megan's, uh, as Dan is teaching on, on some different perspectives uh, in Scripture, um, and uh, Leonard is, is still a part of the group, even though uh, he's letting Dan spearhead it for the summer. Jimmy and Don are actually also hosting a city group starting next Tuesday night, not this Tuesday, but next Tuesday night, a fellowship group. They got the pool. It's the summer. You can fill in the blanks. Uh, go over there, hang out, connect, get to know each other. Uh, so, man, get into a city group. But today I want to talk to you about the first P that these guys represent, and that P is this, the partnership. The partnership. The first of our angles that we want to look at this story is the partnership because it says Peter, which again is Leonard, and John, which is Dan, they are going up together. Everybody say together. They're together. They're doing life together. They're going to prayer together. It's a key conjunction. It says Peter and John. I wonder this morning who's on the other side of your aunt and how is it impacting your life? How is the person on the other side of your aunt making a difference in your life? What does that, that and represent for you? Because the partnership is so powerful when you get the right partner. So when Peter and John, when they raced to the tomb together, because they were, they were kind of competitive. You, you kind of see throughout Scripture some competition between Peter and John. They both came out of the same industry. They were fishermen before they came to Jesus, before Jesus called them. And so Jesus said, you're fishermen, but now I'm going to make you fishers of men. See, sometimes God doesn't want to change your skill set. He just wants to use your skill set in a new way. So, so he transformed them from fishermen to fishers of men. So the, they had known each other for a long period of time, and they, they were kind of competitive. So they raced to the tomb, and John actually gets there first. But John stays at the entrance to the tomb, and Peter gets there second, but Peter busts and charges right in. And we could look at that, and we could say, well, John was a little scared. What was going on there? But, you know, sometimes when you bust in somewhere, you need somebody to stand out and look out for you. It was Right? Sometimes you need somebody to make sure. I mean, they had Roman guards around this tomb just a few hours before. They needed somebody to stand out on the lookout. And so John took the lookout, and Peter went in to see what was going on. We need both. We need the boldness, and we need the wisdom. We need the courage, and we need the thoughtfulness. There's a power when the two come together. They need each other. Peter and John need each other. So some people in life are, are more cautious and they'll stand out on the outside. Some people in life are, are more passionate, more risky. They're going to bust in there. Here's what you need to know in marriage. Because if you don't realize this in marriage, that we need that, that contrast, that we need that person who's going to push us to be different, then I'm going to get frustrated with Melody over the things that God put in her to make me better. See, she's not like me. She's different than me. I'm not like her. I'm different than her. And so whenever you get married, that person will be different. And they'll probably be more different than you even think they are when you marry them. There are times where you are going to disagree, where you're going to see things differently. And there's power in the different perspectives. God puts something in her to make me better. And I'm so grateful for it. But sometimes I resist that. Sometimes I get frustrated with that. And if we don't realize it, if we don't open our eyes, that's where resentment comes in. If, if I don't realize this in life, I'm going to surround myself by people who are just like me. People who don't challenge me. People who don't give me new perspectives. People who don't give me new information, new things to think about. We've got to push ourselves beyond ourselves and recognize that there's value in a new 
perspective. We want the same thing, but we come at it from different ways, right? Shaq needed Kobe. Kobe, Kobe needed Shaq. McCartney needed Lennon. Lennon needed McCartney. Kanye needs Kim. Right? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe not. He needs something. He needs Jesus. But... But we need a different perspective, right? That's the power of the dynamic duo. And so that's what John and Peter are going to be representing for us today. So turn to the person next to you and say, I need you. Say, will you be my partner? This is not a pickup line, by the way. Uh, Let me cut that off real quick. This is not an opportunity for you to pick somebody up. Uh, Look at it and say, you need me. We're better together. Better together. That's right. So this man in this passage He also had some partners. Look again at verse 2. Verse 2 says, Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going in to the temple courts. He had some partners. He had some, some people. We don't know who they were, but he had some friends who were carrying him to the temple gate. Friends that maybe they were friends from childhood. Maybe, you know, hey, I'm going to get him there on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and you got a pickup truck. You can take him on Wednesdays and Fridays, and we're going to make it happen together. He had some partners. And some people who cared about him. But understand this. His partners could only take him so far. The partners that he had could only get him to the gate. They could not get him healed. And maybe you've got some partners in your life. Doesn't mean they're bad people. Doesn't mean that they're, they're not good people. But you've got, maybe you've got some partners in your life that have taken you as far as they can ever take you. Maybe you've got some partners who have gotten you as far as they can ever get you. And now it's time for you to find a new partner that's going to take you to the next step. Because this man, if he had never found Peter and John as partners, he would have never received his healing. It was the new partners that helped him to take that new step. And I wonder if, if it had just been one of them, if they would have even stopped. I wonder if it had just been John, if maybe John would have been too timid or maybe wouldn't have had the faith to believe that God could heal. But if it had been just Peter, maybe Peter was in too big of a hurry. Peter had a mission. He was going into the temple. He had a sermon he was going to be preaching that day. And maybe John was the one with the compassion that said, we need to stop. We need to hear what this guy has to say. God put the two of them together. And I think maybe that's why the Bible says, if two of you will touch and agree on earth for anything, it can be done in my name. There's a power when two come together. God does something when we find the right partners. So this guy had these partners that had taken him as far as he could go, but now he finds some new partners. You know, sometimes the help of our partners can actually get in the hindrance of our healing. Sometimes you just got to determine, I'm going to stop getting help and I'm just going to get healed. Sometimes we we get help to to meet our condition. I'm not just saying physically, man, it might be your your addiction. Man, I'm just going to find some help with this. It might be an emotional situation. And I'm not saying there's not a time for counseling or a time for therapy. All those things are great. But sometimes it's time to say, you know what, I don't need any more help. I need healing. I'm determined I'm going to find my healing. And this man on this day found some healing. So they drop him off, and then Peter and John show up, and a miracle happens. In fact, it doesn't say that John actually did anything at all, right? So John's just kind of there in the story. But here's what I think. I think John's the silent partner. I think as Peter steps up and gets ready to speak and gets ready to believe for his healing, John's over here, and John's doing something. We don't know what it is. I think John's praying. 
I think John's praying in the spirit. I think he's, he's praying. He's either praying one of two things. He's either praying, God, heal this man and do something incredible, or he's praying, God, help everybody not to think we're crazy. I don't know which one he's praying. I don't know if it was a good faith day for John or a low faith day for John, but he's praying something. God, don't let anybody see me out here. I don't know what he's praying, but he's believing something. But aren't you glad for the silent partners? Aren't you glad for the silent partners in life, the ones that don't have to tell you, hey, I got your back, because they just do? Because you know they're there for you. You know anytime you need something, that they're going to step up. Man, silent partners can be so powerful. I'm thankful for the silent partners in this church. I'm thankful for people who never set foot on this stage. But God uses them in a mighty way to serve. God uses them in a mighty way to give. God uses them in a mighty way to pray for what's going on here. If you are a silent partner in City Church, can I just tell you right now, thank you for the way that you partner with what's going on, for the way that you get out there and make a difference even if nobody ever sees it. So your relationship with God is a partnership. God wants to partner with you and do something within you. He wants to expand his kingdom. In order to do that, he needs to stretch you. So this is Peter's first time doing this. Now, Jesus had sent them out two by two before, and they'd gone out to do miracles. They'd gone out to, to, to rebuke demons and cast demons out. But when he did it, they always got to come back to Jesus and report back. Hey, this worked. This didn't work. How come this didn't come out? How come this, this happened? So he always had the chance to go back to Jesus. This is the first time where Peter goes out to do a miracle, and he's got no Jesus to report back to. The coach is gone. He's left the building. And now it's Peter's time to step up. So Peter has to stretch. He has to do something he's never done before. He has to allow God to use him in a way he's never been used before. And I wonder what was going through Peter's mind. I wonder if Peter knew 100% this is going to happen or if there was a 49% part of his brain that said, dude, you are crazy right now. Because I think most of the time when people step out in faith, they're not 100%. They just feel a tug and says, okay, God told me to do this, and I'm going to step out, and I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know where it's going to go. My guess is Peter had some doubt in the middle of his moment. But God told him to step out, and so he stretched, and God used him. It says that Peter stretched his hand. He did something that he couldn't do in a situation that seemed beyond repair, and then something happened. Verse 7 says, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. All right, we're going to demonstrate this. Leonard, you didn't know you were doing this. So I'm the beggar. You guys go back there and then walk towards me. We're going to make this happen. Leonard didn't know he needed to work out this morning. All right, so you guys are coming. Hey, I need some money. Okay, so when that happens, what do you think is going through the beggar's mind? Um, I'm about to sue you when you rip my arm out of its socket, but you don't even have any money to give me. So maybe the lawsuit's not going to work. Like, I'm sure in that moment, the guy thinks you are nuts. And yet he stretches his hand out. And as he stretches his hand, as he begins to pull, he begins to feel something. What's going on? What is that in my legs? What's wrong with me? I haven't felt that before. Something new happened to him. Why? Because Peter stretched out his hand. It says he stretched out his right hand. Don't watch it. Look over that. That's significant. You know what the right hand is in Scripture? Anybody know? What's the right hand symbolized in Scripture? Somebody tell me. Authority. John knows. Come on. Yes. The right hand represents authority. It was the hand of authority. So what happened was, what had happened was, when God stretched out his authority, because remember Acts 1.8, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. So when God's power and authority met this man's 
uh, infirmity and his problem, something miraculous happened. He stretched out his right hand and he picked him up. There is power in the name of Jesus. It's the power of partnership. All right, go ahead and give it up for, for Leonard and Dan. You guys can have a seat. Thank you. They're going to be up here next week. I got a lot more for them to do next week with our last three P's, uh, but we're going to stop right there. There's power in partnership. Find the right partners. Man, evaluate your partners. Do you have partners who are making you better, who are pushing you beyond your comfort zone, who are asking you sometimes difficult questions? Do you have somebody who's speaking in your life and asking you, Man, what's God been showing you? Sometimes that's a terrifying question because you don't have a good answer. But you know what? When somebody asks you what's God been showing you and you don't have an answer, that's usually a good reminder. I probably need to get in the Word a little bit more. I probably need to be praying a little bit more. And you, you need to respect the fact that somebody loves you enough to get in your business. That somebody cares about you enough to get in your business. Who are your partners? Who's on the other side of your end? Last week, we outlined for you five ways that you can partner with City Church. I don't think we're the only partner you need, but if you're a part of this church, I think we can be a great partner for you. I believe that God is calling us to link arms and partner together. Just just a quick way of refresher in case somebody wasn't here last week or, man, the week got crazy and you forgot. I want to just really quickly go over those five things. Five things you can do to partner with us as we cruise towards September 13th, going to two services, expanding God's kingdom the way that he wants us to stretch in order for his kingdom to expand. Number one, start are praying now. Every Christian in this room can do number one. If you are a Christ follower, there is no reason why you cannot start praying that God will use this church. Even if this isn't your church, maybe you're here today because it's Father's Day and you're, you're with your dad or you're with one of your, your family members. Man, can you, can, I'm just going to ask you, can you pray for us? Man, I believe God's got something for us. I believe God's stretching us. I believe God wants us to grow. And in order for that to happen, we got to stretch. So pray for us. Start praying for us now that God would use us, that God would do something great, that we would bring salvation to the lost, that we would not just be a club, but we'd be a church that stretches out to the people who are in need. Number one, start praying now. Number two, join us for Grow, grow Leadership Nights. Every Sunday night starting July 12th, the week after the 4th of July, 6 p.m. on Sunday nights, we're going to be right here. Um, Starting July 12th, man, we're, we're going to grow. We're going to take one hour from 6 to 7. We're going to have child care lined up, and, and we're going to come in, and, and we're going to get better. Now, it's going to stretch us. Uh, some of these nights, it's not going to be a service. It's going to be some teaching. It's going to be some challenge. We're going to have some exercises that we do. Every, every week's going to be different. But we're going to grow for nine weeks. We're not doing this forever. It's for nine weeks, from July 12th to, to the week before we go to two services. That's it. We're going to take nine weeks to say, you know what, God, I'm ready to grow. I'm ready to be better. I'm ready to be stretched and be used by you. Join us for those. Number three way that, that you can partner with City Church, get plugged in. If you're a member and you're not serving right now, we need you. We got opportunities for you to serve. If you're not a member, um, we got a sign-up sheet put out there today. We're going to have our next next steps, our next membership uh, opportunity. It's going to start the last week of July. I believe it's July 26th. Um, if you feel like, hey, God's called us this to be our church, Take that step. Get signed up to, to join Next Steps uh, to go through to, to where we can get you plugged in. We want to give you those opportunities. We need more people in First Impressions when we go to two services. We need more people in Kid City when we go to two services. God can use your gift, your time, your energy, your willingness to serve. God can use that to touch somebody's eternity. I believe that 100%. That's a way that you can partner with us and stretch. Number four, take the next step in giving. 
Last week, we gave out some commitment cards. We're trying to raise $8,000. Going to get the AC fixed. Going to get some plumbing issues fixed. We want to send a mail out out to in a five-mile radius from the church. Uh, it's going to cost us $5,000 to do the mail out. So we're trying to raise $8,000 to cover all this stuff. Take the next step in giving. If you didn't get a commitment card, they're out at the Connection Center. You can grab one. All we're asking is that you pray over it. The next two weeks. In two weeks, we're going to turn those in on July 5th. Pray over that commitment card. Here's what God would ask us to give. Here's what God would do in us. And then we're going to raise that money between... Uh, July the 5th and the, uh, the beginning of September. So it's not an immediate, you got to turn in that check two weeks from now. you got time to, to pray it through, to talk it through, to figure out how to do it. Um, I know it's a stretch, but, man, God told me, he said, man, if your church is going to grow, you got to get better at challenging people. Just straight up. So I'm going to challenge you. It's not my strength. I'm not good at it. I hate asking for money. I wish money wasn't even a thing. I wish we didn't have to worry about it, man. It would be so much easier. But, but it is. It's a practical reality that air conditioning costs money, and we need air conditioning in Jesus' name. Uh, so we're going to get that taken care of. We in Mississippi. It's a practical reality of the situation that God has placed us in. Uh, so help us take the next step in giving. Really the big thing is that mail out. Man, we want to let people know, September 13th, we're going to two services. Here's what we've got for you. We're going to do a brand-new series starting that day called Cow Tipping. We're going to tip over some sacred cows in the, in the church community, some things that we all say, the things that we all heard so many times that the Bible doesn't say. We're going to see what, what does the Bible actually have to say on these issues. It's going to be awesome. So help us by taking the next step in giving. Number five, what you can partner with is, man, just be here September 13th. Just be here. Come in ready to worship. Come in with some energy. Come in ready to greet somebody. Even if you're not on the schedule for first impressions that day, everybody's a greeter on September 13th. Uh, we're believing God that we're going to grow. We're going to believe in God. We're going to have some new families here. So you are a greeter. You are a host September 13th. So be here. Help us in those ways. Look, I understand some of these things might be a stretch. Some of the things might not be comfortable for me to ask. Man, you may look at this and say, I love having my Sunday nights free. I do too. There's a reason we don't have Sunday night church, okay? Sunday night free is an awesome thing for your family. I'm not just pumped up that, yes, we're coming nine weeks on Sunday night. But you know what? I'm not going to look at God one day and say, you know, God, I know that you told me to help our people grow in order for your kingdom to grow. But Sunday nights was a non-negotiable for me. It wasn't, wasn't going to happen. It wasn't going to work out. I'm not going to look him in the eye and answer for that. So God's asked me. This is what he's put on my heart. So I'm going to put it out there. And maybe it will be just me and Melody, but we're going to grow. On Sunday nights, all right? We're going to grow something. Uh, if nobody shows up, we're probably going to the restaurant. We're going to grow the wrong way. But we're going to grow. Uh, one way or the other, we're going to stretch. Uh, God's called us to this, so that might be uncomfortable. Maybe it's uncomfortable thinking about serving. But if I serve, I'm going to have to get up early on Sunday mornings. Man, we all wish we could sleep in on Sunday mornings. I wish I could sleep in on Sunday mornings. I don't. Uh, this morning I got up at 5. Usually I get up anywhere between 4 and 5 on Sunday mornings. And then nobody can sleep in as good as me. Can I tell you? I've got the gift of sleeping in. If, before I had a baby, Saturday morning I could sleep. 10, 11, 12. Not anymore. Uh, Judas fixed that problem for me. Uh, but <laughs> Growing up. But I get it, man. I wish I could sleep in on Sunday morning too. But again... What's more important? What's more uncomfortable? Is it more uncomfortable to give up some sleep on Sunday morning in order to serve? Or is it more uncomfortable to know that, that you didn't accomplish the mission that God gave you, the opportunity that God gave you to impact eternity? For me, it's an easy question. It's more uncomfortable for me not to be used by God. That's, that's a greater discomfort. So I'm willing to stretch. I'm willing to be used. Maybe giving is a stretch for you. Like I said, I hate talking about money. 
man, it's, it's a stretch for us. Man, our budget is maxed right now at, at our 19% giving. But we're looking, what can we do different? What can we adjust? How can we make this thing happen? Because, man, God's got a community for us to reach. And we're going to put our money where our mouth is. We're going to be a part of this. So partner with us, even if it's uncomfortable. Find some ways to stretch. Find some ways to allow God to stretch you. Now let's go back to our story real quick as we wrap up. Imagine if Peter and John didn't stretch. Imagine if Peter and John showed up and this guy cries out, I need something. And the Holy Spirit pricks their heart, says, I've got something better for him than the money. I want you to heal this man. And Peter says, you know what, that's a scary thing. I'm not, I'm not sure if that was really God. Man, how do, how do I know, God, that you're going to do this? What if I do it and nothing happens? Jesus was crucified just a few weeks ago because he was proclaiming Jesus. And now you want me to say the name of Jesus? I don't want to die on a cross. I'm not ready for that. What if Peter had come up with all the reasons why God couldn't use him that morning? What would have happened? Well, let me give you a few things that would have happened if Peter hadn't been willing to stretch. Number one, this guy wouldn't have been healed. There are people in our community that need healing from Jesus. That's going to happen because God's people are willing to stretch. To me, that should be enough right there. Number one, let's, let's see some people healed. Number two, if you read on in the story, read on in Acts chapter 4, guess what happens? After this happens, Peter gets to preach because there's a whole attention that's been drawn. There's a whole drama that's going on. People want to see what's going on. So the spectacle Peter uses to preach the gospel, 2,000 people get saved. If Peter hadn't stretched, not only would this man not have had strength in his legs, but people wouldn't have come to Jesus. And thirdly, Peter and John went on to be used by God for incredible things throughout the New Testament. They started churches. They were used to to write the the actual words of God, the scripture that we read. Much of it was written by John. Some of it was written by Peter. God used them in incredible ways. And yet I wonder which one of those miracles, which one of those church plants, which one of those people that they led to Jesus, which one of those books of the Bible would they not have gone on to fulfill had they not walked in this? Because you see, God had to stretch them. God had to stretch them. God had to build their faith. God had to build their ability to believe him for the supernatural. And as they stretched, as they reached out, as they saw God move, that set them up for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And so as we stretch over these next few weeks, these next three months, as we stretch uh, our time, as we stretch our Sunday nights, as we stretch our giving, as we stretch our faith, as we stretch our prayer life, as we stretch out, I believe God's going to do something great in this church starting September 13th. Absolutely. I believe people are going to be healed because you stretch. I believe people are coming to Jesus because you stretch. But I also believe that God's building you and preparing you for something greater in your life down the road. Anytime God's people stretch, God is stretching them for a future purpose. So let's stretch. Man, let's stretch our faith. Man, let's go home this week and go before God and ask him, God, how would you lead me to stretch? Over these next three months. What part would you have for me to play in this thing that you're trying to do at City Church? God, I'm ready to stretch. And if we will stretch together, God's kingdom is going to grow. If we will stretch, if we will each personally take ownership of this, God is going to take us somewhere. And there's going to be no looking back. Amen? God wants to do something in Olive Branch. And I'm going to be a part of it. And I hope you're a part of it too. I'm determined I'm going to be a part of it. I'm determined I'm not missing out on what God has. So let's stretch together.